And we are live, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Project Egg Show. I'm your host, Ben Gothard, and today we have the honor of speaking with Zachary Babcock. How you doing today, Zach? Dude, thanks for having me, man. How you doing, dude? Dude, I am phenomenal, and I'm so excited to chat with you today because you have one of the most incredibly epic stories that I've ever heard. And so I really want to ask you, what is that story? What is your story? Yeah, wow. Uh, you know, I'll give you the short version and we can always unpack more. Uh, but yeah, well, man. Can you can you actually please give me the long version? I want to hear the whole thing. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Um, yeah, dude, uh, I grew up without a father. Uh, he died when I was seven, so I always wanted to fit in with uh, with uh, the, the quote-unquote cool crowd. I would do things uh, outside of my character to fit in with those people growing up. It was purely all my choice, but, um, you know, I was never had a father figure after that, after my dad died. And so this led to a lot of bad choices and decisions. And by the time I was 17, I had caught a bunch of cases, uh, for, uh, being a knucklehead going out, stealing from cars and stuff like that. And ended up getting, uh, getting some time. Well, I got probation. I thought my life was over and I just went off the deep end, bro. And I started, doing heavy I graduated from weed to ecstasy to cocaine before I know it I was a full-blown heroin junkie crackhead you name it man uh just going off the deep end and I ended up going to prison um on a on a seven-year sentence I did four years flat a uh, lot of a lot of crazy stuff happened during that time we can always you know go back into that but I uh, I got out when I was 23 after doing four years and was ready to change but you know didn't know what yet didn't know how I was going to make that change or whatnot. So I got a job at a bar and grill working 50 to 60 hours a week was crushing it. Um, and then I got a job at on a sales team at the clothing store. And I always thrived in those types of situation, bros, like working with people, helping them get what they're, they want and need. And, uh, so I got promoted third day there and I'm like, yes, you know, I'm putting behind this, uh, this pass and I'm moving forward. I'm in a, you know, I'm getting it put up in the management, put in my two weeks at the bar and grill two days later, they're like, yeah, dude, you're a convicted felon, kick rocks. And, uh, you know, dude, instead of just searching for other opportunities, I chose to um, uh, throw a pity party and feel sorry for myself, became an alcoholic. Um, and then I landed myself back in prison. I woke up uh, to find out that I was going back to prison just 20 days before my twin sons were born. And dude, that was it. That was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. That was like, I'm done. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I don't know when I'm coming home, but I'm going to do whatever it takes to get back home to be a responsible father and happy and successful. Didn't even know what happy and successful looked like at that point in time in my life, but and I didn't know how I was going to make it happen. I just had my reasons why I had to do it. And ever since then, just been moving in a completely different direction. So what is that completely different direction? Once you, once you had that pivotal change, like what did you actually do moving forward? Yeah. I think I really believe I just never had that um, chief aim in life or that driving force. You know, I was just kind of going through the motions in my life up until that point. And then when I had my kids, you know, all I wanted, not all I wanted, but a main thing that I wanted growing up was to be the father I didn't have growing up. And so now missing out on that was so painful. It was like, now I had something to shoot for. And that was like my quote unquote purpose or whatnot. And it's grown and evolved since then. So I got introduced when I got out, uh, I ended up doing eight months the second time, got, got home, uh, couldn't get a job anywhere, um, was really stressful for like two months. 
And then I got introduced to entrepreneurship through network marketing. And bro, at the time, I didn't even know what uh, a pyramid scheme was. You couldn't scare me off with the word with a pyramid <laughs> scheme or nothing. And uh, it was cool, though. I, I did that for about two years. Um, I'm grateful for the industry because I was able to create almost $2,000 residual month income. It introduced me to personal development. Uh, but more importantly, it showed me that I can create a life by design and that my past wasn't going to haunt me. But I outgrew it quickly after two years. It was like, I'm not, I'm not dissing all network marketing companies. There's good and bad ones out there. Uh, I was just taught to blow through a list of people and get them to either join the company or try the product. And if they didn't, just keep moving. And I was burning relationships. So it just didn't resonate. And I finally moved on to it. And then long story short, for the next two and a half years or one and a half years, struggled <laughs> trying to be a life coach. Didn't make any money as a life coach or help anybody because my messaging was just all over the place. Um, but finally, um, I, I landed on podcasting and, I, and how I started it, bro. Anytime I tried to collaborate with any entrepreneur, nobody took me seriously. I was just like the ex-convict turned entrepreneur afterthought that literally nobody gave the time of day to. And, um, and I'd be lying to you. I, I, I was pissed, bro. I was like, I get it. You know, everybody judges. It's, we're literally hardwired that way, you know, to immediately form an opinion of anyone or anything that we come into contact with. It's for our survival instincts. But I wasn't going to let that keep me there. And so out of that pain and frustration, I'm like, I'm starting this podcast. And I got really intentional about the brand underdog empowerment, you know, specifically related to who I am, who I was and helping those, uh, those types of people, you don't have to go to prison, but you know, you, you had these grandiose visions and everybody's just not taking you seriously. And you're like, I don't care. I'm committed to winning. And, uh, you know, I became a top rated podcaster the first week, next week, interview Billy Genius marketing has just been interviewing great people ever since like yourself and just so many other cool entrepreneurs. It's crazy because in one week we went from nobody wanting anything to do with me to interviewing celebrities and just the brand blowing up ever since. And so when you had that, that realization of, man, I want to collab with people, but nobody's really taking me seriously. How did that then lead to a podcast? Like, where did that idea really pop into your mind from? Yeah. So I started my brand with YouTube and, um, it was, it was when was Zach, bro, that was so cheesy and so lame. And it was, it's not a movement that everybody, it, you know, when with Zach, it was about me. It wasn't about that psychographic, that specific, you know, uh, person. And so I learned from those mistakes and how I came about podcasting at the time. Uh, I'm no longer a click funnels fan, but at the time I was, and I was going, I had bought the uh, what is it? The funnel hacks masterclass and all that. And in the funnel hacks masterclass, Russell was talking about how one person that he worked with same story, like nobody was taking him seriously. And then he launched a podcast and he just, it skyrocketed his brain. I was like, and I'd been putting that off for like over a year. And I was like, all right, man, that story resonated with me. I'm going to go ahead and do it. So it was the podcast itself that you were listening to that fired up that desire in you to really get that podcast up and running. Yeah, it was the uh, the module in the Funnel Hex Masterclass where he's talking about that story of the dude starting his podcast. And I was like, okay, man, that was, it's time to do it. Let's just, let's give it a shot. That's amazing. You <laughs> never know what like one piece of content or like one thing that somebody says 
how that could just alter you or or like or trigger something in you. I mean that that's amazing. That's amazing. Like there there's this uh, this piece of content about Bill Gates, right? And it was it was talking about like what he does or how he is or something about that. And he was saying that from an early age, all he wanted to do was just read, right? He would just sit in his room and just read books all day. And I mean, his, his mom had trouble getting him to do other things besides, <laughs> besides read. Right. And like, I hear that. And pretty recently, like it just refired this and rekindled this love of learning and, and, and reading. I mean, I've, I've always loved learning and reading, but like it just refired it up on like a random thing about Bill Gates. That is just, you know, it's just totally by coincidence. So my question to you is, um, the, the, the ethos of, of underdog empowerment, right? Why, and, and, and really how are you working to spread that message more? I mean, I know obviously the podcast uh, and, and what you're doing, but like, you know, like, where do you want to take it and how are you going to bring it that big? Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, a lot of, a lot of stuff like what we're doing right now, going on other shows, you know, spreading the word about it, uh, is one way. Um, and then I'm also really big into YouTube. Um, so I had a decent sized channel. Um, and then I just recently started work with Nick Nimmin. Uh, he's got about half a million. I literally watched this guy go from, uh, 10k subscribers to half a million in less than two years. So I'm like, okay. Uh, and I've been following his content the whole time. I was like, okay, dude, you're the real deal. And I uh, started working with him as far as consulting about YouTube. And we just got that rolling. Uh, we're putting out like one video a week. And that's, you know, like how we're spreading it. And obviously other social media channels, but the vision for it, what 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 it is that I want to do. So right now I'm like known as like the podcast guy. Like I've, you know, I helped a lot of people start their podcast. And we got a 100% success rate of getting them ranked, earning money from their podcast, growing their podcast, all that stuff. And that's cool. And that's awesome. You definitely got to you know, go deep on that one thing and really scale it out. But I don't want to just be the podcast guy. So the vision for it with just with underdog empowerment is to help underdog entrepreneurs like that alpha male type entrepreneur that has these odds stacked against them, but they're committed to winning to help them build passive income businesses. Uh, a lot of it's through content marketing, but uh, showing them different, different ways to create passive income streams and uh, how to get that off the ground. So it's empowering them financially to be able to go out and do the things that, that they want to do. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny about that. It's like, um, yeah, we, we I, I constantly am giving out like content, showing you strategies on how to like, for instance, how to make money on, on autopilot with YouTube or whatever and make videos like that or podcast stuff. Um, but all that, the root of all that is always mindset. Like you, if you don't have your mindset dialed in, I know it's so cliche and it's the unsexy answer. Nobody wants to hear that. But if, man, if you are not there, if you're not mentally fit, if you don't have the mental fortitude, if you don't have the mental toughness uh, dialed in, you're, you're not going to build a, a, a big business or awesome business that's helping other people if you don't have those things dialed in first and foremost. Well, what specifically do you mean by that? Like, is it your relationship with money, your relationship with yourself, with other people? Like what specifically about mindset do you think are like the most critical things that we have to get or fine tune or, or adjust or get right? I mean, I know there's probably not one formula for everybody, but I think you kind of get the, the uh, yeah. essence of the question. 
Yeah, definitely, dude. Getting your relationship right with money is big. Definitely. Cause like, there's so many people like money's bad or it's not about money, but it has to be about money. It don't have to all be about money, obviously, but money, you should have a loving relationship with money. Like money's a good thing. All right. You could do great things with money. Um, but yeah, that's definitely one of them. Uh, but more so leaning towards like the mental toughness, like having the mental fortitude of being able to build a business. Cause you know, man, that's not easy. And um, if you are going to crack under any type of pressure, or if you can't stand the critics and all the, the crazy ups and downs of building a business. I mean, cause let's, let's face it. There's nothing easy about building a business and, and especially it's so volatile and it's still always ups and downs throughout anything in life, but especially in the beginning part of entrepreneurship of building a business, man, you're going to get punched in the mouth quite a bit and you got to be able to take that punch and get right back up and keep, keep pushing forward. Honestly, I think the only easy thing about business is quitting. Yeah, it's like the only it. easy thing you can do. <laughs> Amen, bro. <laughs> so when did you really start to realize that mindset was so important? I mean, it would seem like, you know, it seemed like one of the, one of the themes of at least what, what one of the themes that I'm hearing um, in, in your story is there was really a lack of um, like a lack of male uh, mentorship or, or, or lack of a role model. And it seems like you are now stepping in to provide that mentorship and be that role model for other people because you know the pain of not having that, right? Um, but how did you figure it out if you didn't have the role model to to tell you? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a tough question. I don't know if I could really pinpoint that exact time. I think it's just been growing and happening, you know, more and more. But um, I would have to go back to when I missed out on the birth of my twin boys. Um, and so I say this, like, I'm not saying this in a, in an arrogant type of way at all, but dude, after being through going through the shit that I put myself through with in prison and, and, and all the crazy shit that happened during that time, like entrepreneurship's not easy, but man, there's nothing that you could throw at me. That's going to make me give up. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm at the point, like, dude, I, let's go, you know, like, Dude, there's been so many times where I wanted to bash my head against this wall behind me trying to figure, you know, entrepreneurship out and trying to figure out how to actually produce revenue uh, in my business. But it's not gotten to the point where it's like, oh, I can't do it anymore, you know, because like I've developed, you know, like those those extreme adverse situations that happen in life. I wouldn't take none of them back because it really forged, it built strength of character, man. And it, and it gave me skills that have been able to apply not just in business but in every area of my life and stuff so I think a lot of the a lot of that stuff comes from the tough times so I know I know nobody wants to hear it when they're going through like oh yeah it's easy for him to say or whatever but if you're going through those times and it feels like the world's crumbling around you and like there's no light at the end of the tunnel kind of look at it as you gotta you gotta really train your mind and be like okay well what can I learn from this how is this going to make me better what can I pull from this and use it in the future so I don't have to keep on going through this and uh just to be i know it sounds cheesy but to be actually grateful for those moments because you're actually getting better during those times that's powerful Thanks, because it, it it really seems like in those moments of of our toughest i mean our most difficult uh, obstacles or, or or events or circumstances like that's really when when shit hits the fan like that's when you really show your true character. 
I mean, and, and, and I really think like in those moments, like those decisions that we make, that affects us at such a deep and profound level. Like if, if you're in that moment and you're like, all right, I'm just going to keep going. Like, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to give up. Like, that's what you're then like, that is who you have then become. You've become that person that doesn't give up the person yep. who is tough. Like, I, and, and I'm curious to know your perspective on it, but I think when everybody says, you know, what doesn't, what doesn't kill you, make you stronger, makes you stronger. Like it happens because of those really, really small moments and in those those very short moments where we make decisions that in the moment are seemingly very small, but when you look back on them, you're like, holy shit, that moment defined my whole life or that decision helped redefine my whole life in such a profound way. Yeah, dude. I, man, is it, is it okay if I share a story? Please. So to everything, I, I'm sitting here nodding my head the whole time as you're talking because it's so true, bro. So the first time that I was in prison, bro, like this, let me, after going through this, this, I was like, okay, I can, I can do whatever. Like I can, I'm not saying like I'm almighty and that I can't, you know, like I'm going to run into failures, but I know I can get through whatever. Um, so I was in there uh, for four years flat and two years into it, I'm 21 years old and I'm in the hole for tattoo violations. Now the hole is the prison inside of the prison. That's where you go when you get in trouble. I had gotten in trouble for getting some tattoos. It's a, eight by 10 cell. You can literally walk three steps one way and three steps the next. That's it. Uh, it's dark, dirty, cold, depressing. Um, very little to no human interaction. It sucks. Right. And I'm in there for two months and uh, about two weeks into it, I get called back to the captain's office, which is never nothing good. It means you're probably in trouble. And so I'm immediately thinking like, okay, somebody told on me for something that I hadn't gotten in trouble for yet, or they're trying to get me to tell somebody else. Mind you, I'm 19 at the time. I'm still in my rebellious stage, still in that stage of trying to fit in with the quote unquote cool crowd, whatever you, you want to call that. And so I'm like, I ain't saying nothing. I go back there. He's sitting behind his desk, got his white shirt on, arms crossed, gold badge, white shirt, black hat, me mug on his face, all this stuff. Right. And he's like, Mr. Babcock, have a seat. And I'm like, for what, dude? I don't have nothing to say. You got me down here for two months, man. You can put me back in my cell. And he's like, uh, you know, when you come back, he's like, how long have you been locked up? I said, about two years he said well you know when you come back here it's nothing good right i'm like dude i don't give a fuck put me back in my cell i don't have nothing to say he's like yeah we got a call over the weekend and your mom uh let us know that she had to break into your bathroom door for a screwdriver to find your sister dead on the floor with a needle in her arm and um dude that was the last thing you know the very last thing that i was expecting in that moment just vision blacked out to nothing, came back, this adrenaline rush burst for me, started crying. Uh, and then they gave me a 30 second phone call to my mom, like legit 30 seconds. We're bawling our eyes out to each other, telling each other how much we love each other. And then the phone hangs up. And then I, I asked to be put in a cell by myself. I didn't want to be in there with, uh, with my cellmate. I just wanted some time, time alone. And they honored that. That was pretty cool. Um, and so for the next three days, bro, I'm in this dark, dirty, depressing cell by myself, all I could think about was all the mean things I ever said or did to my sister, the goodbye I never get to tell her, just literally going insane, right? I'm in my trapped in there by myself. I didn't get, I didn't eat for three days. The only time I got out of my bed was to use the restroom. That's it. And um, on that third day, though, man, I woke up and I literally was like, I don't know what the reason, what the reason why I'm still here, but there's a reason or else I wouldn't be here. What can I do right now to find happiness and peace? And the funny thing 
well, the, the strange thing is, uh, at that time in my life, I didn't even know what self-help books were or anything about personal development. Um, I ended up reading a book and fast forward seven, uh, seven years, read a book in 2017 called Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. In that book, though, he talks about when, uh, the, qu the quality of questions that you ask yourself determine the quality of your life. Like anytime we hear a question, our brain immediately searches for the answer. If I say, Ben, what color are your shoes? You, me, and all of our the people that are listening right now, they're wondering what, what color are your shoes? You know what I'm saying? This is how our brain works. And so in those, those crazy situations, those adverse situations, when it feels like the world's crumbling around you, and I've been guilty of this, we tend to ask the wrong questions. We'd be like, well, why is this always going to happen to me? Or, or, you know, why me? And that's the wrong question because then it, it directs your focus to the wrong things. And when I was in that situation by asking, what can I do to find happiness and peace right now? It directed my mind to the right things. And I was down there for two months by myself and I developed this crazy routine. I'm not even going to get into it, but if you think OCD was crazy, don't have shit on what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but doing this, so doing, doing this crazy routine, you know, of working out at the same time every day, writing at the same time every day, cleaning my cells, deep cleaning my cell every single day. It gave me a peace of mind in a really, really dark time. And it built a lot of strength of character. And, um, the moral of the story is, man, I'll sum it up really quickly that no matter what, you always have control of the situations. You might not be able, like, I, I wasn't getting out of that cell. I put myself in there and I wasn't going to kick that door down. A tornado could come through and wreck your house and kill your family. God forbid that happens. You, you can't control that. That's a natural disaster act of God, whatever you want to call it. However, you can either decide to be bitter and kill yourself or go out and kill other people or just be miserable for the rest of your life. Or you can choose to internalize that and go out and help other people and do great things because of that pain you've experienced. Regardless of what you decide to do, you have the power to choose how you're going to respond to that no matter what. So at the end of the day, you always have the powers in your court. And that was one of the big lessons I took away from that. That is insane. That is insane. <laughs> so when, when you, at the, at the third day, when you had this revelation or maybe an epiphany or, you know, whatever the appropriate word is, it seems like in that instant, that was your, that was your decision that in a fell swoop, I mean, changed, changed, changed you forever. Dude, like you were just talking about, man, you, you had those, those decisions that you make and like, it's, it's like you can either give up, but if you choose not to give up, it's who you become. And that's like, that was so, that was that moment for me. In that moment, did it seem like a humongous decision that you had made? Or did it just seem like it was another day and you just decided on a different path? Like now hearing the story, you know, however many years later, to everybody listening, it's like, that is a huge turning point in your life. But like in that, in the moment, like how big did it seem to you at that point? I was so beat down spiritually at that moment, you know, just losing my sister and thinking about my mom's grieving the loss of her daughter and her only son's in prison. I'm not going to be there for it. And I was just, you know, so low. It was like, it's like a rock bottom moment. And it was either the choice was either give in and just sit there and continue to cry and not be able to do anything about it and or 
rise up and figure out what can you do to find happiness and peace in that moment. And I just chose, chose the latter. So it was like, I don't know. It was like, it didn't seem like such a huge decision. It was like, it was like one of the other. And I said, I'm going to choose this. And, it, and then I just started developing that routine every day for two months down there, started doing the same things and looking for, and, and it, it was crazy because by the end of it, dude, I started, I was grateful to be in prison. It was weird. It was like, I was like, dude, I got three meals coming in the hole each day. I'm breathing, you know, even though I'm in this cell, like I, I'm alive, like, and I was just grateful for the little things, man. And it kind of, I know it sounds cliche and cheesy, but it kind of gave me a sense of power, you know? What was that routine? <laughs> Bro. All right. So I won't go into all the details. Cause we'd be here for forever, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, one of them was, so we had, we got two showers a week down there. And, um, so every three days and, uh, we had two bathing towels. And so I took one of my bathing towels and I ripped it up into a bunch of mini rags. And, um, I took one rag and I'd scrub my walls with it. Another one would scrub my sink, another one for the toilet. Then I get down on my knees and, and sweep the floor of my bare hands, gather up all the dust bunnies, wad up some toilet paper, get it damp, grab the dust bunnies, flush it down the toilet. And then I grab my final rag, get it nice and soapy, scrub the floor. And that was one thing like by owning my space at, you know, it's like kind of like that book with Jocko Willink about making your bed and stuff. Just doing that act of you, of, of you doing something, of putting something into motion and you having the power over that kind of, it's like a momentum thing and in just having a clean area, you know, that made me feel good. Then uh, every single day I'd work out right after I get done uh, cleaning, right before dinner would come by, I'd, I'd, the nurse would come around each and every day at the same time. I would write letters the same day, you know, all this stuff, like I would keep my toothpaste in the same spot on my sink, you know, like little things like that. It was just like so structured. And I had a thing that I was always constantly doing um, that kind of, I don't, I, I know it sounds weird, but it gave me a, a sense of power. And it was like, Hey, you know, I can control, control how I respond to this situation. The situation isn't going to control how, you know, how I'm going to act moving forward. What did you write when you were, when you were there? <laughs> this is funny. I used to be a gangster rapper, man. <laughs> <laughs> Not even lying. No, but I wasn't so gangster, but, uh, I used to, I used to do music. Uh, I would write that. I also write letters every single day. Um, and then I also did a lot of reading while I was down there. Um, didn't know anything about personal development. We had the choice of old Western cowboy books or the Bible. And at the time, I didn't like neither one, but I chose the Bible because old Western books would just put me to sleep. And so um, I, I'm not a, a big religious Bible thumping guy, but I do believe in God and stuff like that. And the, the reading those scriptures at the time really gave me, uh, gave me inspiration and, and brought me peace in a really dark time. Wow. So did you just read the Bible over and over and over again, or did they give you access to like multiple books? Yeah, we would do, we, we would uh, even, it's called Cadillacs where you like would, for instance, uh, a bar of soap, you put a hole in it and then you get string out of the waistband of your, of your jumpsuit and tied together and you could slide it underneath the door to other cells and then you can exchange whatever it is that you're exchanging, whether it's book or tobacco or whatever. Um, but yeah, we would pass books that way. You can also get books whenever, you know, twice a week when you did shower exchange and stuff like that. So I really just read the Bible. I tried to get into the old Western books, but it, it literally just couldn't grab my attention. So I just read the Bible a lot and I didn't do a whole ton, a lot of reading in there. 
I read the Bible probably like two or three times while I was down there. Uh, but yeah, it was this combination of all those things put together. So today in your, in your, like, you know, in your, in your day-to-day life, do you still have that structure and that sort of, obviously not the same, but like right. something, something that has been adapted to your circumstances today, do you still have that kind of structure and, and, um, that organization in your, in your day-to-day? Yeah. And you know, it's funny because like, I'm, I'm a creative thinker or a creative brain. I'm not the analytical systems kind of guy, but I am very, very, um, uh, specific or, uh, structure orientated as far as like, dude, I, I got my calendar and also the Google calendar, like that dictates my life, you know, like it's all, and it's, and I'm not even, I used to do the whole, check off stuff on your list or whatever to kind of feel a sense of accomplishment. I got away from that. I just do things that matter, but if it's got to be on the schedule and we're, you know, we're constantly focused on the one thing that we're doing at that moment. And it's, uh, it's played a huge, uh, made a huge impact for me. Now that you're, you obviously have the freedom of, of choice, um, at a, at a much greater capacity now. Um, what do you tend to read today? Dude, I love, psychology books, uh, marketing, cause marketing is psychology. I was a psychology geek, bro. I love dude Robert green, probably the coolest interview ever. I uh, got to, I always tell everybody if I could be interv- uh, mentored, personally mentored by anybody in the world, it would be that guy. Uh, I, I don't only just read his books. I read them, listening to them on audible and take notes. And then out of what I learned, I turn it into my own words with like Facebook posts and write stuff about it. Um, you know, teaching what I'm learning in my own way uh, to try and internalize it more. But yeah, I love psychology. That's awesome. So Thanks. today, it seems like you've done a lot of work on yourself and a lot of reading and, and writing. What questions do you still have about yourself? Mm, that's a good question, bro. It really is. Um, man, I, I got to think about that, you know, because that's a really good question because you... And I, I'm a, I really believe that anytime you think you know you have that you think you have all the answers or that you can't learn anymore and that you can't grow, that's the day you become a damn fool. And so I I I I harness the confidence that I have to keep moving forward and keep keep doing things, but I always, always like, dude, I in every interaction I have and I'm not a saint, I'm not perfect at this, but I always try to learn from everybody and everything. Even if, even if I feel like that person is just throwing their life away, I try to learn something from everybody. So I don't know, man, about myself, dude. I, sometimes I wonder if, you know, I'm like, I always ask myself, is this, is this exactly what I want to be doing in my life? And, and it always leads to yes, but I always have to question it just to make sure. But like, dude, I have, you know, like my more like purpose-driven goals and stuff related with the business too. So it's all aligned. So I think that's cool, but it's, 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 that's a tough question, bro. It really is. Well, I think that's like, that's one of my favorite questions to ask people um, because I know I have like a zillion questions about myself. Yeah. And, and, and I think you could ask yourself every day, maybe even every six hours, you could ask yourself, who am I? And you get it. If you honestly answered, like stream of consciousness, just let it flow. You get a different answer every time, every single time. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I think the best way to answer that would be 
do I, am I really um, able to, to view things from other people's perspective? Cause I tried it like, dude, I, I have strong beliefs that I believe in that I'm like, that are convictions, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I always try to question those. Cause like, well, what if I'm wrong? What if, what if, uh, what if, you know, what if, what if I'm wrong about this or what if they're right? Or what if it's actually better, you know, you know, so I think that's powerful to be able to do that. It's not always easy either, but uh, I think it's really powerful to be able to, to see things in different ways and how other people see them. Dude, it is so tough to do that because yeah. a lot of the times what we do, and I'm sure you probably know way more about this than I do being the, uh, you know, a, a fan of psychology. And, and studying it like you do. Um, but whenever we have this idea, especially if it's to the point of like a, being a very strongly held conviction, a lot of times we attach our identity to it. Mm-hmm. So then we think that we are this idea and it's like, well, you could be wrong. And, and if, if somebody are, starts poking holes at it, you're like, <laughs> yeah, you, you get defensive. Cause it's like, they're poking holes in you, but they're actually not. It's just this one like belief that, yeah but the belief's not you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly, dude. And then, and then to take it even a step further, you start, it's, it's uh, what confirmation bias where you, you, you'll unfilter any information that supports the opposition. You'll just filter it out and anything that does you like, yeah, see there or whatever. And then anybody points anything that could, you know, potentially uh, debunk your belief. You're like, nah, or whatever. And it's like, it's crazy. So it's like, it's hard to, look at things with an objective view oh definitely and i I think even to the point of like being skeptical of other views that and i mean i'm you know i'm almost restating what you're saying but like just being skeptical of other people's views that are not our own and like oh well they don't believe the same thing that i do you know, on this one thing, maybe they're just not credible at all. And it's like, wait a second, <laughs> that's such a toxic belief. Like, cause you may be wrong. <laughs> and, then, yep. and then it's like, okay, well now the whole thing is your whole perspective of this other person and their belief that's just thrown off kilter because of this one thing that you're just kind of, you're just kind of stuck. Like you're stuck in. Right. Yeah. Dude, I, you're so right, dude. So, so like my belief for so long was like, I got to be a tough love kind of because like that's how I learned. And that's that's what actually made me a better person was tough love. And um, and it built strength of character. So like I used to always be, you know, I'd like if you were fat, I'd be like, no, you're you're engaging in fat behavior. You're making poor decisions. You need to get your shit together. Quit eating all the time. Start exercising. But then and that was like my belief for so long. But then I learned, you know, that that necessarily isn't that's not always the right way to be with everybody because there's some people that that have don't have self-confidence or their self-esteem is so low and you say something like that and they go and kill themselves and then and then the goal that i I would never want to say something that makes somebody want to kill themselves every even though i'm being mean sometimes i'm trying to do it to shake their pattern to get them like oh okay i need to do better but if i say something that's going to make somebody kill somebody then i'm going to feel like shit you know because then i did the complete opposite of what i was actually trying to do i'm not helping them i'm actually making it worse so that was one of a big, big eye opener for me. It's like, you know, different, everybody's different. You know what I mean? So you can't always be harsh with, with everybody, you know, I'm not saying you, you can't enable them either. You can't let them make excuses, but you can't, you know, be jumping at them. You know what I'm saying? Some people you got to are a little bit more delicate. <laughs> oh, definitely. And, and everybody's different. Like I know that I crave 
objective feedback. Like mm. I want to know, like, how am I doing? What's like, what do you actually think about what I'm doing? And not from the perspective of like, oh, I need to be validated by other people, but like, I want to know how to improve. So, I, you right. know, if everybody, if everybody's just saying, oh, you're doing a great job. That's awesome. This is great. You know, that's not, it, you know, makes you feel good in the short term, but it doesn't help you improve. It doesn't help you get better. So it's like that objective, like, okay, this, you know, this seems to be working here, but this other thing, maybe you could do this better or this needs to be improved. Like that is super helpful. And, and I like it. Just, just tell it to me straight, give it to me straight. I'll handle it. I'm tough. You know, I can deal with it, but very few people are actually like that. And I know, and it's, it's just, it's kind of frustrating. Cause it's like, well, I'm like that. Why aren't other people like that? I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Cause the whole world doesn't revolve around me. <laughs> right. So, it's like, everybody's different. Um, but so when you're, when you're running your show, right. Knowing that everybody's different, do you try to, and, and I feel like there's this balance, right. Of like, you have to stay true to who you are, you know, as a, as the host of your show, like that is your show. So it's gotta be like, I mean, it could be whatever you want, but I, in my opinion, it has to be like, we gotta be true to who we are as podcasters, as broadcasters, as, as hosts of our own show, as creators, but at the same time, if nobody's hearing what we're saying, we can't really help them. So I feel like there's this balance between, okay, well, we have to stay true to who we are as creators and, and as people. But then at the same time, like, you know, we're creating it and we want other people to listen to it and to benefit from it. So like, how do you balance that? Uh, maybe, maybe there is no balance. Maybe their forces are not competing, but the way I framed it, it seems like they're kind of competing. So how do you, how do you approach that? I love that question. That is a, a, fun, a dude. I'm so glad you asked that. So I, I love this type of stuff. So he, he, here's the deal. You're exactly right. As if you're building a brand like, all right, so say, let's talk about Walmart, McDonald's, Apple, Coca-Cola, whatever, you know, the biggest brands in the world, they can create this imaginary avatar and then be the ideal to it because they're a company and they can morph and be whatever they need to be to that avatar. But when we're talking about personal branding, which podcast is personal branding, you're, you, you're the face, the voice of the podcast. You can't create this imaginary avatar and then be the ideal to that avatar. If it doesn't align with who you really are, there's not a, there's an incongruence there. And so you're right. You, you gotta be you, you gotta state your opinions, beliefs, and, and just be you. And so like, my best advice for anybody building a personal brand is to not create this. Oh, he's a 35 year old male married with two of them. None of those demographics even matter. Anyways, get into the psychographics. How does this person think, feel, whatnot. And so you're really essentially just helping who you were yesterday or who's just a couple of steps behind you. And so the only time you really got to get out of your own mind is like, well, how was I feeling when I was going through that phase? Because you might be helping people that are just, uh, we're just going to use a, a hypothetical situation. You might be helping some people that are just getting started uh, building their business. Um, and obviously you're way ahead of that. Now you're, you got your business, your, your six figures a year, whatever. And so you're way past that stage, but you have to take yourself out of where you're at right now. I'm like, all right, how's this person feeling right now? What are some of their pains that they're going through? 
Are they feeling like they're like, it's never going to work. And that's when you take yourself out objectively and then speak to them in that language so that they can see that, okay, he understands me. He understands what I'm going through. And that's how you win that game. Uh, but yeah, I still, still be myself though. I'll, you know, and I think, I think by doing that, you attract the same people that are, that align with, you know, who you are or whatnot. I think that was a great answer to it. Thank you. I want to take it. I want to take it a step further. When you are being yourself, how much do you choose to show? Like if you had to put a percentage on it, like a percentage of who you really are, like how much do you show that? And how much do you keep, like keep tucked away in reserve that for whatever reason you don't put public facing? I, I honestly believe the reason why I'm winning with my brand now is because I share it all. I, I even share the dark thoughts, emotions, and desires that we all have that a lot of people try to keep suppressed because they want to meet society standards or whatnot. But we all, dude, there's days where you just run into somebody and they're talking, you want to punch them dead in their throat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> there's times where you, <laughs> like we, we had that. Let's just be real. You know, we're human beings. It's impossible not to have, you know, these feelings and emotions and desires. Um, and so I feel like by just being me and open and not even caring about it, like that's what makes people fall in love with my brand and me is because, and I'm not perfect, dude. I, like I'm like, I clearly have a ton of character flaws, whatever you want to call them. Uh, but being open about it. And I hate the word vulnerable because everybody's like, you got to be vulnerable. And then they take that and they try and fake this. They're like virtue, virtue signaling that oh, so whatever, like they, 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 this is going to get deep, but all right, since Let's we're opening that, since they're opening that can of worms, people, don't say the things that they need to say because they're afraid of like hurting that person's feelings or how, you know, they, they know that what they they're about to say can potentially improve the, the quality of life of this other human being or their audience, but they don't say it because they're afraid of how they'll be perceived by everybody else. It might be, it might go against society's political correctness or whatever you know what i'm saying it might be contrary to all that and so they they suppress that and they don't say these things because they don't want you know our one of our biggest fears is to be outcasted from the tribe we're social creatures and so that's a huge fear that plays on that's the reason why we do that but if if we're being real we're all secretly failing to meet society's standards because there's no such thing as the ideal human now it's good that we had these standards because a society that would allow murder, rape, and all these horrible things would not be a great society to live in. So it's good that we had it, but we're none of us are meeting these things. But it happens on a on a micro level every single day. People cut people off on in traffic to get to where they need to go. Um, they 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 vie for positioning in checkout lanes. You know, so you're always stepping on somebody else to get where you need to go. It happens on a macro level where countries wage war against other countries to get what they want. So it happens. It's part of human nature. Um, and I feel like when you can be open about it um, and I got the, it's from studying people like Carl Jung, um, great, great, uh, 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 real deep in the psychology learned from uh, Sigmund Freud or whatnot, but uh, he talks about, he was the one that coined this, like the, the, the shadow, the shadow self, like we all have those, you know, those dark thoughts, desires and emotions but if you can bring those to the surface instead of suppressing them like most people try to do um then you can actually uh, have a better shot at at having 
uh, those things from actually actualizing themselves. And you could incorporate these dark thoughts into your persona. Like for example, I don't know if you ever played a lot of sports, but when I, when I used to play sports and and in business too, when I get on that football field, I go on my dark side, bro. I'm trying to knock your head off. We're trying to win. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and we did that. We came together for a common goal to, to win a championship. And you do that in business too. Like, dude, I'm trying to dominate. Like, uh, dude, I'm trying to take my show to number one, like, oh, uh, you know, or whatever, you know? And so you can use this dark side for good, good things. And it's all about incorporating that to the personality instead of trying to suppress it and act like it isn't there. Because if you notice the ones that try to suppress it the most, are the ones that are the most deceptive, the, the ones that you just can't trust. I can't, if you're positive all the time, I can't trust you. I know we went down a rabbit hole there, but it was a pretty good question though. Yes. Dude, rabbit holes are super encouraged on the show. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's definitely like, and it, I love that. So the, my question then is like, and I know I'm kind of asking the same thing, but I think the, the slight angle is important. Like how much of the dark side do you really show? Like every single person, I don't care who you are. Like there's one thing that I would imagine most people would never say. They would never tell another soul that happened in their lives. And, you know, everybody's listening and thinking that one thing immediately popped into your head. And you're like, yeah, I'm never going to fucking say that. I'm never (laughs) going to share that with anybody ever. You know, there's like that deep, deep, dark secret that we harbor in ourselves right do you bring that out do you do you do you shout it from the rooftops like i mean it because that that takes one a lot of balls but is that really like does it go with the ethos of of what we're talking about of like bringing out the 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 dark side or the shadow side and like just laying it out there this is who i am this is what i've done it's the truth of it like how much of that dark side do we bring out? Yeah, that's a good question. And so that's where it gets tricky too. And so you're talking about like things, you know, that we've done in our past, like I'll never speak on that, you know, and I think everybody has that, you know what I mean? Um, I used to be so like when I first, when I started off in network marketing and when I started off in network marketing, I didn't tell anybody that I went to prison or that I used to, you know, be a drug addict or whatnot um, because my whole thought was, right before I went back to prison last time I got fired from being a convicted felon and so if I share that I'm a convicted felon and I did all this time and and used to be a a heroin junkie and all this and that that nobody would take me seriously as an entrepreneur and so I didn't didn't share that and and one of my mentors got me to open up while I was in network markets like dude that's you gotta you gotta share that that could that can like that's that for one, it's really interesting. People want to hear about that story. And for two, it could really impact people's, you know, hearing that story. You don't understand how powerful your story is. And so like now, dude, I'm so, I get so tired of talking about my prison story, but I, but I do it because I know it's such a huge, uh, for one, for those two reasons, like I just mentioned, it, it draws the attention, but also in, in, in impacts people in a, in a significant way. And so, you know, I've, I've shared pretty, some pretty dark, you know, like, you know, plunging needles in my arm, overdosing on heroin, you know, it's, I can't really get worse than that. Um, but there's, I get it though. So I understand, you know, for those people that are like, well, well I don't want to share that I pissed my pants in third grade or whatever it is that, it is that you're, that you're scared about sharing. Uh, but man, there really is power in unlocking that. And then the flips, the other side of that question is like, as far as how much of your dark side, like, 
dude, there's a time, there's a time to be dark. There's a time to get angry, like to use that anger that you're feeling and to channel it into something good. You know what I'm saying? Like there, like for me, underdog empowerment was built off the darks not all but built off that dark so like oh they're counting me out they're saying that i can't make it lame fuck them i'm gonna go out and do it anyways you know like that was like me channeling that that dark side into something good and so you know you just got to figure out how to use that dark look at look at anybody that's accomplished anything significant they all have a dark side and especially any professional sports athlete like kobe bryant michael jordan like dude they went into they, they, they went to Tim Grover talks about it a lot in his book, Relentless, but uh, and, and any epic achiever in business, man, they, they use it for a source of good. That's what I'm trying to get at. Mm. Do you ever think that it could get like, obviously you can take your dark side too far, obviously, right. but in sharing that past your history, do you ever think there's a point where it's like, you can't share that. Don't share that. Don't do that. You know, and unfortunately, for certain people, yeah, because they they pigeonhole themselves into a specific career or something where that's frowned upon, and they don't have the freedom to be real, and that's really unfortunate, you know, for for those people, um, you know. But if if you're like, and and some people have business models or or whatnot to where they can't share some th- certain things like that, because then it would like ruin the reputation of their company and and whatnot. So unfortunately yeah and that sucks to be in that position i guess you know i don't know how that feels because i'm not in that position myself so i can't you know but i'm looking at it from an objective view here and i'm trying to see like that would kill me if to be honest that would kill me if i couldn't be be myself and speak my mind you know what i'm saying like i feel like that's one of the best things about being a human being is being able to state how you really feel and your thoughts and views and perspectives and opinions on things i think that's what makes us such a so that's, I think that's what makes the dynamic so awesome. I agree. So excluding that group of people who, you know, for whatever work reasons or, you know, maybe like, I don't think, I don't think a Jeff Bezos could go and, and air all of his dirty laundry. And, <laughs> and that would, I don't think that would help him, but like, I, well, I guess for, for you in uh, specific, for you specifically, like, is there anything about your past that you haven't shared? And I'm, I'm not asking for you right. to share. I'm just asking if there is. Um, There's definitely stuff, like, that happens all the time on podcasts where I, f- like, somebody would ask a good question and they're like, holy crap, I forgot that even happened. You know what I mean? But um, all, like, the significant, like, really dark moments that definitely suck with me, like, I've pretty much aired all those out. And it's actually helped me – uh help me more than it's hurt me at all. Definitely. Like there's definitely some people that are put off by it, but those aren't the people that are going to resonate with me anyways. And so by bringing this stuff out, I know it's like, it's like, Oh my God. Like, for instance, dude, um, when I, the, the podcast blew up right away. Right. But still at that time, I hadn't put my finger on the specific problem that I could solve for a specific type of person. And I was still broke in my business, even though my brand was starting to blow up and I was starting to get attention. Um, and so I teamed up because I, I got a guy that reached out to me and he had this program uh, that had over a thousand successful graduates and did over 20 million in revenues. And so it was like legit. And it was for lead gen, customer acquisition and scaling a business. However, I'm broke as fuck at the time. Right. But we're we repurposed this program and we're putting it out there with me being like the face of it with with my brand and stuff blowing up. And uh, we're bringing in people to this program. We're actually bringing in students. However, 
I felt like an imposter. I felt like a maggot. I felt like a parasite because I'm sitting here teaching people. I'm sitting here trying to achieve what we're teaching people by teaching it. And it was just mm. ass backwards of a huge circle jerk or whatnot. And um, so eventually it, it just didn't align. And I made a, I made a post about it on Christmas day of 2018. And I called myself out. I'm like, Hey, this is what we were doing. Uh, you know, it's legit. It helped a lot of people, but Hey guys, I'm broke. I haven't achieved none of these results myself and I just don't feel right. So I'm pulling the plug on it and I'm going back to the drawing board, dude. That was so frightening to share that. Like I didn't, I didn't want to put myself out there like, Hey, you know, I feel like one of these guys that's taking a picture in front of rented Lamborghinis promising to be a millionaire overnight. Like I didn't want to do that. And it was like, I was like, man, but it's, I got to do it. And I did that and it was so tough to do it, but it turned out to be one of the best things that I did because dude, I had so many people reaching out to me after I made that post, like, dude, that's a breath of fresh air. I really appreciate you being real about that. I got respect for you now because for you doing that. And it, it was tough at the time, but dude, it, it turned out to be a, a really good move. So if you're feeling like there's something that you just can't like, like that kind of thing, Oh, I don't want to put that out there, man. It might actually turn out to be, the thing that's going to help you really connect with the right people. That's awesome. Right on brother. (laughs) (laughs) Right on, right on. (laughs) So when you think about legacy, you think about, you know, I was, I was reading this book. um, It's actually right over there by, uh, by Claude Hopkins. um, You know, one of the godfathers of advertising, just epic, epic guy. Um, what do you think? Um, I, I don't know why I brought that up. I think it jogs in my, mem- in my memory. But like, when when you're gone, like, what do you want people to remember you for? If like one or two sentences, like your thing. I have my. It's a long story, but and I'm gonna like you said, one or two sentences. So. After going through the uh, ju- judicial, I can never pronounce. It. I got like a speech impediment. Judicial, judicial, judicial—is that how you say it? I believe ju- so. Okay, <laughs> judicial system. After going through it myself, I'm not making excuses because I put myself there, and everybody else that goes through there puts themselves in that position. However, the system is totally broken. The recidivism rate is ridiculous, and the resources that are offered are bullshit they don't help you and it just makes you jump through a bunch of hoops and it's designed to keep you dependent on the system they they put you on welfare food stamps all this other shit and so my life purpose this could change in in the future but we currently offer you know jobs to people coming out of prison not everybody but the ones that are serious about turning their life around we put them to work in our agency and we give them positions of working in this we also have them you know you got to read these books that are going to help develop your character and you go through certain programs or whatnot. And for the guys that are cut out to be entrepreneur, they won't work for us for long. They'll go out and do their own thing for the guys that are not. Cause not everybody is, they can continue to work for us, get pay raises, all that stuff. So the goal, what I want to be remembered as is creating this program that creates a 9% low or lower recidivism rate nationwide. It's a crazy big, like you're out of your mind goal. But the, like Steve Jobs says, the ones that think they're crazy enough to change the world are the ones who do. And that's our goal, damn it. And we're sticking to it. That's amazing. Right on, brother. So, uh, you know, Zach, I want to thank you very, very much for, uh, for, for coming on the show today. Um, and 
you know, I, I appreciate the, the discussion and, and I want to be very respectful of your time. Uh, so I have one more question for you, then, uh, then we'll wrap it on up. Um, but what question should I be asking you that I just wouldn't think to ask? Hmm. Um, I always like to ask people at the end at an interview is, uh, you know, if you could go back to the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey and give yourself just one piece of advice, but not advices and things you regret, what would that advice be? I like that question, but man, um, maybe that's it. Cause that's always what I'm curious to hear from other people. <laughs> and what's your answer? Mine is definitely without a doubt. Do the work. All right. When you go into any industry or you get involved in anything, your, your first goal is not to get attention or to prove yourself. Uh, you just can't skip certain steps. You need to actually do the work. So your first goal would be to, in any industry and in anything that you're getting into, is to observe the landscape. What are the unspoken rules? What are the social dynamics? What are the skills you need to develop? Okay. And then we move into the second phase of actually developing these skills, becoming a practitioner of your own ideas and, and start to helping other people. And this is usually lasts the longest phase, about 10,000 hours or more. That's what a real expert is, you know, when you've internalized these skills. And then finally, then you move into what they call mastery. And that's where you develop these skills so much that you don't even have to think about them to perform them. You, you've eternalized them to where you can perform them subconsciously, just like you could walk and chew bubble gum after practicing it so much. That's what it really takes to be successful, I believe, in any endeavor and to, to really streamline that whole process uh, because you can't shortcut it. There's no shortcuts, but to streamline it is to find somebody that already has what you want and become their student, whether you have to pay them money, barter services, connect them with someone that's a power play in your network, work for them, whatever it is that you got to do to exchange some type of value so that you can get around them and learn from them. That's the fastest way to streamline that entire process. And what skill are you developing? I think the best skill in the world is having the most, the, the, the deepest understanding of human nature that you possibly can. Cause that, that will, anything involving two or more human beings is psychology. And so the more you can understand that and understand not just your own psychology, but other people's psychology too, that that's just going to carry you the, the farthest in life. Cause if you think about it, relationships is the third most valuable asset in life next to time and health other than that relationships man so i think focusing on that is like the best skill to develop that's awesome well thank you again very very much uh zach i am uh, very appreciative of your time and you rock so thank you very much thank you so much for having me bro it's been a blast yeah me too uh it has been for me too so thank you again and uh, to everybody who's watching and listening i want to thank y'all very very much y'all rock too and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. So thank you very much. Thank you again, Zach. And I will see all of you on the next episode. Take care now.